Hello, welcome to the High Five Down Low podcast, another episode. We are up to episode number 34. Hello. And since we are a couple of months already into 2018, <laughs> it seems like a good time to go back and do our best of 2017. Yeah, um, things got kind of switched around. This is mostly just a timing issue. Yeah. But um, last year we did like a big round table with guests to do our best things of 2016 and that was really fun and stuff so I don't know I just figure like <laughs> for this podcast we're gonna try to make a, a tradition of doing our best of the year you know and yeah. as far as best of the year it's like basically anything any five things there's no real rules or anything you know it could be it could be pop culture it could be movies tv comics right. uh moments in your life events uh you know <laughs> oh i forgot about basically those. <laughs> whatever you want i don't know like last i mean when we did our list um last uh, last year our little round table episode you know some certain some of our guests you know did experiences and stuff yeah. like that that happened to them in that year and that's one. cool that's totally fine but mine's mostly pop culture junk this year which kind of is what we do on this podcast yep. so um yeah, and then okay. Oh, also, so for the last year for the uh, the low five, we had five people here, so we all came up with our one worst thing of the year, other than Trump. Um, this year, we're not gonna do worst of. We are going to do um, we're gonna do five um, overlooked or underrated things. So these aren't necessarily five of our favorite things of the year, but five things that we think kind of didn't get maybe the credit it deserved or recognition yeah. or something you may might not have heard of that is kind of interesting it's, it's to kind check of a nice little something. so little uh it's kind of divergent like, from you know yeah yeah from the absolute best that, but worst. it's not the worst it's yeah. good stuff you may not have heard of heard about that's i guess the easiest way to sum that up um i guess we can just jump right in yeah. to sure yeah, this was a hard list because the best it's hard of 2017 to decide like between movies and music and yeah, TV shows. I honestly like, saw the best so many movies this year, so that was like <clears throat> I saw a lot more movies than I saw TV. Believe it or not, I saw a lot. I didn't read as many comics as I have in the past. I guess yeah, something to do with you know I worked at a comic shop so I uh, last year, so I read a lot of comics this past year. I worked at the I didn't play as many video games. Alamo Draft House past so couple years saw a lot of movies. So, anyways, uh, my number five is I'm gonna start us off. Then my number five it. is none other than the Netflix series Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Um, this is one of those nice. things that just came out of nowhere, kind of. You know, um, I had heard like. Uh, mentions of it being in development, and like I, I, I do remember the, uh, the show that it's ba- you know yeah. was originally based off. I do the remember real show, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling on like I believe it was thirty one here in Denver, KDVR thirty one. Yeah, I'm sure before they, it was even Fox thirty one. It was like on Saturday was, nights at eleven eight eleven yeah. p.m. It was sold really to syndication late. back in the eighties. Yeah, and it was strange, and I remember watching it, and I remember saying this is pretty damn weird. But um, so I was like. I, you know, and I didn't even know how many people realized that it was really based on a thing when this series came out. You know, like it was one of those word of mouth things that pa- right. got passed right along. And the cool thing was there is a documentary about the history of the mm-hmm. of the the gorgeous ladies of wrestling uh, that is available on Netflix too. So it like makes a nice little companion piece to the. Um, I think it was only eight episodes, the eight part yeah. series. You know, um, I remember last year one of my favorite things I put on the list was just the eight series. The eight episode <laughs> series was like my favorite because like that Netflix. My does. favorite shows I watched that year last year were like all like eight episodes, and I feel like 
that's like the perfect length, you know. They don't always adhere. It to always that, it leaves you wanting more, but like a certain series, like I remember watching Jessica Jones. Like by the end, I was like, this mm-hmm. could have been easily three to four episodes shorter. Yeah, just as good, just as compelling. Like, um, I love something that's gonna be really good, but I'm not gonna have to a huge commitment to you know. Like that's or I I, it, I mean or like, sometimes it's like, like they have they have to like you could tell like some some episodes are filler like they. They yeah. have to slow it down because, you know, the plot is starting to kind of like wrap up. So yeah. they got, you know, they have to fill eight stall. episodes. Yeah. Stalling. They have to stall. And stall there's, until there's a couple you get of to the, the, <clears throat> the finale or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's just another reason why I just can't really get on board with like watching network TV shows, man. There's so many episodes. Like, <laughs> one season's like 22 yeah. episodes or something. And that's, that's what like happened to Lost, so I think. That was one of Lost's sort of like. I think downfalls. Lost was the last great network tv series but it suffered really serious. bad from that because you know they had to produce 22 of those and i mean yeah. jesus that's a lot of shows and to gosh, do in one season ain't nobody a lot got, of stories in for the streaming age like nobody's 40, got you know, time for commercial breaks 40 minutes, now 40 come minutes. on let's get serious <laughs> so anyways um if you haven't seen it it's definitely worth watching it will take yes. uh you know four hours of your life six i mean sorry eight Half-hour episodes, I believe, yeah. approximately. Which approximately. Was, that's what was that's what I really liked about it too is that I was surprised. I figured and was ready for it to be an hour, and when each show was like a half hour, I was like, "Oh, this is nice. It's quick. It's you know, it's I can get through it, and I can get through two of them in no no time at all." And by that, t- you know, by then I realized like, "Wow, it was over before I would you know before I was even like you know mm-hmm. starting to like get into it." I'm like, "Wow, I'm almost done with this." So. You know, I had to, like, slow myself down yeah. before I watched them all in, like, one sitting. Definitely, yeah. I think it took two days to just uh, – three days maybe, just two a night or something like that, you know. And mm-hmm. One of those, like, uh, one more before bed, you know, because it was so good and got you hooked. Uh, so that's my number five, The gor- Glow, Gorgeous Glow. Ladies Wrestling. Yeah, Wrestling. I think I'm going to talk Wrestling about that one later. on Netflix. For sure, I'll bring that one all up right, again. All right, sure. Well, um, okay. But I'm going to – real quick, so what I decided to do – with my top five was I was having trouble like figuring out like what was better than what, like what TV show was better than a movie or what album was better than, you know, a video game or something. So what I decided to do is I took five topics and picked one for each one. So movie, I, I divided it up into movies, TV shows, music, <clears throat> so on. So cool. uh, I'm going to start with TV. So my, and then I'm going to name my five, I'll name four honorable mentions below that. So I have five for each pick and then I'll name four, my four honorable mentions, my, my number one. And then my four honorable mentions. Okay. For each sounds one. good. All right. So All right. my, my, uh, for TV, my favorite, my best of the year was uh, master of none. Also a Netflix show. Hmm, uh, Aziz, nice. Aziz Ansari's show. Yeah. That might come up again. Too. Um, <laughs> about, you know, I mean, what is it, modern dating, modern romance, Living, uh, I mean, season one was good, mm-hmm. season two was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Every it was like every episode was almost like a, a short film, you yeah. know. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, just it was just it span, it was all over the place as far as uh, you know, topics of mm-hmm. what happened. You know, the first part starts off when he's like 
in Italy, in Italy to be studying like, being a pasta chef. It's like stuff, an old Italian know? movie, black and white. It's yeah. even shot in black and white. Um, there's the episode of where it's about different people living in New York. Yes, that one was really um, You have the, too. the deaf girl and you have the immigrants who mm-hmm. are driving cabs. Yeah. Um, there's the episode, um, the Uber, the uh, sorry, the Uber, the the Tinder episode where he yes. goes on, shows him going on the various Tinder yeah, dates yeah, and things yeah. like that, and you know how how, how that works. Um, but my one big example, I think, is what makes this show so great. Um, was one scene, and that was the scene at the end of the episode, the dinner party. And okay. in this episode, um, Ansi's character, Dev, takes out his his friend that he met in Italy that um, he's totally in love with but can't be with because she's with somebody else. And he, after they go to this, like, amazing, like, dinner party, he drops her off at her hotel. And it's probably the last time he's going to see her for, for maybe forever. Uh-huh. And he, the whole end of the episode is just one long tracking shot. Well, not a tracking shot. It's just one long shot, um, unedited, of him riding home by himself. And it's just so – and I think uh, the song uh, Say Hello, Wave Goodbye by Soft Cell is playing, and which is a perfect pick because the music in that show is perfect too. Yeah. And that's another great uh, pick that they had. I um, guess the best part about that is just how it kind of breaks the convention of what a show could be. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's like no rules. There's no formula right, right. or anything. But, and no format really for each episode. It's a standalone piece of – but a piece it, of art, really. It does that. But again, it's like you, you you relate to it so well because maybe you've been through that or you understand what he's going mm-hmm. through. And so you don't need any dialogue or you don't need any cuts or you don't need you don't need to be explained to you like what, you know, his anguish or whatever, you know. Um, it's just it's his forlornness, you know. It's it's so it's so it's such a great decision. And wow, like, I mean, I've never seen that before. And like you said, you know, it's 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 breaking convention. And that's what makes it great. So. Awesome. Yeah. All those balls episodes are great. Very cool. Uh, So that brings us to number four. My Mm -hmm. number four is a comic book series, um, and it is none other than X-Men Grand Design by Ed Pisker. So I don't know if you're unfamiliar with – I don't know if anybody's familiar with Ed Pisker. He is an amazing independent artist who produced a series of graphic novels that they adapted into comic books uh, called Hip Hop Family Tree. It's basically – the the most comprehensive uh, collection of hip hop, the history of hip hop that I've ever <laughs> read or seen, and it's yeah. just the detail in uh, is it's f- amazing how it you know it details people you've never even heard of that were you know Stories. apparently the pers- first person to ever scratch a record yeah. and the, the first person to ever uh, make a, a a diss track you know like right. it has every <laughs> yeah. How those hip hop yeah, albums came together, freaking, how the groups came together. Yeah, it's amazing, and it's just like the first volume just barely goes from like the birth, the first two volumes. It's like the birth of hip hop to 1983, mm-hmm. and it's, that's how in depth it is, mm-hmm. and whatever. So, anyways, Ed Pisker was tasked at um, basically telling the history of the X Men and con- con- consolidating that into two, basically two ish, two giant size issues of. Yeah, comic book form. So he, he, you know, he somehow miraculously tells the story of the various earliest X Men stuff. That it's he's like retelling the whole. St- it's like X Men for dummies, basically. Yeah. You know, like or uh, yeah. the X Men primer. You know, yeah, an oral history of the X Men. You know, yeah. like and I, it's just done so well. Same thing. You know, like I love. You know, I, I'm a fan of the X Men characters, but at the same time, I feel like over the years with all of the 
retconned and everything. That it's <laughs> such a convoluted story. Yeah. Like, yeah, how could you ever it's, even? It's hard to keep up now. Like, how could you ever even start to like? You know, like right, exactly. You know, so this is like the perfect jump on moment to like, even if you don't want to explore the X Men further, just to like get the definitive history. And I don't know the way he, I love his artwork. He writes and uh, draws, illustrates and stuff. And it just has this very retro feel to it. So it just really works perfect with the, you know, d- telling these old X-Men stories and everything. So um, that's my number four. Uh, X-Men Grand Design by Ed Pisker. Apparently episode, or issue one and two have sold out yeah. completely. They're reprinting them. Every They're time. doing second prints. Um, I do. I did only read issue one. I have issue two sitting for me in the hold <laughs> slot I have to pick up. But issue one was so good that I made my list. So I, I can't wait to finish the rest of the series. And. Uh, apparently they're doing an oversized graphic novel that collects the whole thing, so that might be worth picking up if you missed out on the issues themselves. Every time I've been to the comic book store, it's been it's been sold out. Yeah, I can never find it. They never have a copy on hand. They can't keep them on the shelf. It's just a good, you know, it tells it. You know, you just know that. It's, yeah, uh, and it was one of those things I think that got under ordered because I follow him on uh, Instagram oh, sure and everything, uh, and totally. it was like all these people. Uh, he, he he would like. Post like re, re or like retweet regrams people's mm-hmm. posts. They were like, we under ordered because, you know, this comic shop sold out because they only ordered six copies because it looked too indie or something. Yeah, or yeah it looked too, exactly. You know, it didn't look mainstream enough. You know, mm-hmm. and like I guess they, you know, don't underestimate great comic book storytelling. Right, don't exactly. underestimate the X Men. <laughs> don't underestimate the X Men. All right, so I'll go with um, <clears throat> with I'll go with comics as well. I'll stick with comics, and my favorite of the year was Mister Miracle by Tom King. I believe his name is um, Tom King. Worked on another great comic of a couple of years ago. I think it was 2016 or 2017 called The Vision. Oh, nice! Yeah. And, and so Marvel rebooted. Marvel rebooted. Wars. Mm-hmm. Marvel rebooted, and it was his take on on Vision, and it was a uh, very kind of uh, I guess you could say like a real telling of like a comic book hero i guess um anyway uh his so now he's working on mr miracle a dc character that i am i was vaguely vaguely familiar with i mean he was a jack kirby character the new gods that that kind of thing which i've never really gotten into i've never known but i love the vision i love that comic so i'm like okay i gotta see what this guy's got to do next and um mr miracle has definitely paid off it's not finished yet but um it's weird it's it's just a weird take on an old school comic book character um, it's it's dark and it's sort of it's mind bending, um, and it's just like exam. So basically, Mister Miracle is the world's greatest escape artist, and the comic is exploring in a, I guess, in a surreal way. Like, what does it mean to be that? Like, can you escape death itself if you're the world's greatest? If you escaped everything, can you escape death? And mm-hmm. so that's what Mister Miracle is dealing with. Like, is he alive or is he dead? Has he escaped death or is he going through? You know, is he in the afterlife? So he's just this extremely like damaged and broken individual um, who's also a celebrity in his world. He's this he's this famous superhero. And he has to deal with all of that. And um, it's just, it's been strange and weird, but very good at the same time. So that would be my recommendation if you want to check out something that's a little bit off the beaten path of like your normal, like superhero, you know, Superman, Green Lantern stuff, you know, check out, check that out. Awesome. Cool. Well, my number three, and we are talking movies this time around. And kind of a movie event, a movie experience, I would, uh, uh, 
venture to say. So I'm going to talk about Edgar Wright's Baby Driver and in particular okay. the event held at Alamo Drafthouse <laughs> featuring Kid Koala, the that was awesome. DJ extraordinaire who uh, helped do produce some of the soundtrack to that movie. Awesome freaking movie. I enjoyed it. I, it was probably one of the most fun movies I saw all year. I saw it three times. That's I didn't see any other movie that came out this year three times. Uh, so they, we held an event at Alamo Draft House. This sounds like a commercial, but um, <laughs> I would have gone if I, I, just as a fan. Uh, but you know, so that uh, was supposed to feature Kid Koala to do a DJ set before the film started. Uh, apparently, he got delayed in flight. His flight got delayed. Uh, severely all day long so they ended up showing them uh, it ended up being just a normal screening of baby driver and then afterwards in the bar barfly there was a dj demonstration of uh kid koala so he he physically brought all these like instruments and stuff that he used to create some of the the music that is featured in the film and did like a basically a hands-on demonstration like here's exactly how i did it if you guys want to try here i'm going to pass this crazy <laughs> little device around and you guys can mess around with it, record your voice, and I'll show you how to manipulate it. And uh, it was totally awesome, and it was just really cool. And talk about a really cool down-to-earth dude. And then after that, he played like a maybe like an hour-long set of uh, just, you know, DJing. Um, some of his hits. Some of his songs, scratching, all kinds of awesomeness. So um, Baby Driver, what, a, what, an, what an awesome, amazing movie. What a great experience. What a fun night. Um, I agree. The when, only damper about Baby Driver is, I guess, um, later this later that, in 2017, the whole Kevin Spacey oh. thing was revealed. But actually watching that movie now after that whole thing was revealed, it's, like, it's kind of creepy, dude. And uh, his character, I'm like, is this dude even acting or is he just playing himself? You know, so, that was our creepy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's just like an <laughs> asshole to the to this underage kid. He kind of is forcefully mentoring, you know. There's, yeah, it's true. He's forcing him to do things he doesn't want yeah, to do. Yeah, some of the one-liners in there, you're just like, oh, man. Uh, I never thought about if that. you take it out of context, so I don't know if you want, but it's still still an enjoyable movie, even even after the fact of all yeah. that and everything. No. So I agree. I, I I remember after I saw that this summer, I said, "Can Edgar Wright just direct all action movies <laughs> yeah. in Hollywood?" Basically, you know. Totally. I agree, hundred ten percent. When you told when Chris when you told me about that event, I was like, that would just seem like one in a million kind of thing, you know, once in a lifetime kind of thing to to attend. Um, I love Kid Koala. And I wanted to see Baby Driver, and I didn't even know that he had done the soundtrack for it um, until you told me about this. And the fact that he was going to be there, you know, Alamo likes to do these really cool events. I think they bring together these these kinds of things. And so that just sounded like, you know, wow, amazing. And to have it be in this, and not, not only was it like, you know, you got to like, um, you know, see him do this, these demonstrations, not just a DJ set, but these little demonstrations with stuff that was used in the movie. But it was so like intimate. Like we were just in the the, the bar restaurant yeah. area where there's Dude, like a little like stage. S- five feet away. Yeah, it was like five feet away on stage, and he invited people on stage, you know, to to use the stuff, uh, to use these like you know various. I don't even know if they're if you want to call them instruments, but they're like you know various recording devices. Devices. And, that's a good way. You know? yeah. And so um, yeah, no, I, I agree. That was just amazing. So uh, I'll stick with movies, all right, and not an event. Well, maybe maybe it's an event. I don't know. I think um, it's pretty much been talked about to death. But my it was my favorite movie of the year. Um, it was Get Out, the movie nice. Get Out. So yeah. you know, it was just I for me. I know there's you know there's a lot of talk about you know the whole what it meant. You know the whole underlining. You know um, um, 
story and everything. But for me, I just thought it was a great thriller in like mm-hmm. the vein of like Hitchcock. Like we haven't seen something like that in a long yeah. time. And I I love those movies. I always love those movies. And I forget like how much I missed that kind of like filmmaking. Yeah. And I was also just so intrigued by the fact that, you know, uh, that Jordan Peele could do that. You know, like I had no like the guy from from Key and Peele. Yeah. Could do something like that. And it's like, whoa. You yeah. Know, that just blew my mind. It totally did. So, yeah. um. Yeah, I remember um, before it even came out, I follow, I listened to this podcast, Shockwaves. It's like a, a horror podcast, kind of like from some of the people that work at Blumhouse who produce Get Out. You know, so of course, mm-hmm. this was like a month before the movie even came out. They had like Jordan Peele as a guest on the oh, show, okay. and you know, Jordan Peele was talking about how he was, he loved horror and all this stuff. And I just thought this is such a strange uh, combo. You know, yeah. like I thought, is this are they just going to churn out some? corny ass scary movie type of parody right, movie like or something could be from funny. like a comedy yeah, director I was expecting or somebody known for comedy you know and um so like, yeah same thing like i was blown away by how i was just blown away by just everything about that movie so and there yeah, are that definitely funny, is on my there are funny mention. parts but it's not a satirical it's movie my, no i've you know people's i've saw a one line review something about you know uh, get out as a documentary, and if you're uh, if you don't believe it, you're part of the problem. You know, um, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's definitely on my honorable mentions. Is yeah. it was uh, so. an amazing piece of uh, of genre filmmaking Absolutely. for sure. Cool. Uh, okay, well, I guess that we're all the way to number two already, and I'm sticking with movies. And this is probably was I, I think this was probably my favorite movie of the year, and it was. None other than Disney's Coco, Pixar's Coco. Um, that's my number two. It just uh, – is that your number two? That's my, Well, no, that's my number two on my movies list. Oh, okay. Remember, I made, yeah, a, yeah, I made yeah. a five list. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So anyways, I mean it was just – it was just so great. I mean, it was one of those things like I remember I remember when this like word caught out about this, you know, it was like mm-hmm. Disney's producing a Day of the Dead movie. And right. I remember there's a lot of backlash people like, Oh, you know, it's cultural appropriation and uh what the hell, you know, then everyone's all this shit you know, like I remember there was a little bit of initial backlash mm. when the word first got out. Interesting. Like, just on the internet about it, you know, like here's Disney culture culturally appropriating something but what was cool is like to find out there was a lot of uh there were a lot of mexican uh people of mexican descent that were involved in the whole production Mm -hmm. so it wasn't it was not just a a cultural appropriation or everything and i and they were just so true to the culture and yeah i mean it's just all about family it's just about family Mm -hmm. and um what's really important in life really and man i mean it's been a long I, – I mean, I'll cry at movies here and there, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> Got a little dusty in that theater. It was way, way <laughs> – there was a lot of eye leakage and oh cocoa, man. Um, but it, it was just so good. And um, like a few years ago, Book of Life came out, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Book of Life was okay. Yeah. It's good. It's solid. But like, oh, man, Coco is next level, Coco, dude. yeah, next is, is leaps and bounds. Um, just like you said, how it took, like, you know, the whole identity of the culture and the language and the people. Um, and it's kind of funny how you, you said, like, there, there was backlash. I think I kind of saw some of that. But, you know, c- coming from, like, a personal um, level, like my, my family, who was of Mexican descent, um, they were – they kind of saw it the other way. They were like, it's about time. Yeah. Like, it's about well, time yeah. that there's and a I Mexican think movie about – you know, about Disney did something like this. You yeah, know, like, and Jesus. I think that, like, yeah, that's kind of, you know, when it actually came out, I think that, you know, most people, yeah, the initial attitude was turned around. You know, I just, I, I mean, I guess when you just see a, a, a headline, you know, like, Disney's in development, and this mm-hmm. was, like, kind of, I don't know, a few, you, you know. 
yeah. several years ago when it yeah. felt like yeah. everybody was just throwing mm. a sugar skull on something oh, and calling it, you know, just to yeah. make a buck because it was just kind of uh, a trend at the time. But uh, Coco, it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, you have to see it. If you have to see it. Um, the only bu- the only bummer of it, the whole thing, was, I guess, the Frozen short that Disney kind of threw in front of it, which is Major. kind of like – I kind of felt like it was like – a really sucky way of like hedging their bet or yeah, something, you yeah, know, yeah. it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, they, it, what if this movie's not, you know, going to bring in the audience we think it's mm-hmm. going to bring. If we throw this frozen movie, you know, frozen was this huge phenomenon. Like if we mm-hmm. throw this on the front, maybe people will come just for this and stay yeah. for Coco or something, yeah. you know? So that <clears> part was like kind of a major buzzkill about it. But the fact that it was like over 20 minutes you, long. Too. Yeah. And so like, I mean, it was way Coco itself was like almost two hours long, which is a long time for her to sit in a kid movie, you know? Right. And uh, we ended up seeing a, like basically a private screening of Coco with my son, my three-year-old son, and they played the Frozen short <laughs> before the film. And when the, the Frozen short finally ended, Maceo turns to us and he's like, Okay, the movie's over. Can we go home now? And we're like, dude, uh, the movie movie hasn't even started yet. But like, that's how long so it is. Long, like yeah. in a three year old's yeah. brain, they had just sat through yeah through a movie yeah through a movie. And they're ready to go home. And we're just like, yeah. So like, yeah. Um, you know, fortunately, like after a few weeks, a lot of theaters I uh, stopped. They, they got so they, many complaints. They stopped showing yeah. it and just showed the skip to Coco. So hopefully, when that comes out on DVD, it's. Uh, uh, they'll leave it off. Completely. They'll leave it off completely. Or yeah. you have to I'm sure they will. You know, I'm, I'm, an I'm easy easy Easter egg to find it or something. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, Coco, amazing. I loved it. it Probably was, my favorite film of the year. It was honestly. fantastic. Yeah, definitely one of mine too. Cool. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a great movie. All right, so I'm going to move on to, I guess, my number two. And my number two, I'm going to talk about music. And for my favorite album of the year, this is kind of, and it kind of could go with uh, onto, onto my, uh, I, was, I was debating whether to put this on the most underrated, and I wanted to put it on both, but I'm like, you know what, this was my favorite album of the year, so I'm, it's my most listened to probably also. Um, and it's, the album's called FHNY, and it's by a group called Fever High. And it's these two girls out of, this could definitely go under, you know, under underrated, um, overlooked, whatever. Uh, these two girls out of New York City, um, they were like, I don't know, Juilliard trained, kind of like your, you know, your story of, I don't know, rags to riches or something or undiscovered, you know, talent or whatever. Um, but they, I guess they were discovered by the uh, Fountains of Wayne lead, uh, lead guy who, you know, discovered that like they like enjoyed all these 80s synth pop bands and their sound was so similar to those bands at the time that he was like, wow, I want to produce your album. You guys are amazing. And they wrote all their own songs. And so he was like, wow, this is fantastic. So uh, they even got Jeff Goldblum to do a cameo on one of their songs. <laughs> and nice. it sounds, I mean, the music sounds like it could have been like, you could have had, it could have been on the soundtrack to Pretty in Pink or Weird Science or just, you know, it's just, it's retro as hell. And for some reason, like it's poppy as hell, but it's so good. It's, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, if you're into that kind of music, if you enjoy, you know, like retro 80s pop music, then definitely check it out. Um, I feel like you you won't be disappointed, and um, it's just it's a good time. It's it's good happy music, and that's what I felt like I needed to listen to this year or something. It just put me in a good mood every time I heard it, and it was catchy as hell. So, yeah, cool. Fever High is the name is their name. So cool. That was my 
best album. Well, like you said, you know, good happy music or something that make you feel good. That's kind of how I feel like about my two films I selected on my top of five list. You know, like I'm sure there were some finer films like as uh, I saw this year as far as if you want to just yeah analyze every single oh. aspect of storytelling and yeah. making a movie. I but mean, Get Out was heavy. But sometimes I, was... I just like I just like the way Coco made me feel, and I like the way Baby Driver made me feel. Totally. You know? Um, and that's kind of what I've been into lately. So, and uh, so that brings us to my number one. My number one is one specific episode of a TV series. Cool. And it would be Master of None season two. Nice episode eight, the Thanksgiving episode. Thanksgiving, yes. That's my absolute favorite. I thought thing. you were going to talk about that one. That's why I didn't mention it. Yeah, that's my it. favorite thing of the year. <laughs> so. Um, all right, talk about it. It's this just one. great, man. It it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's one of those other ones. It's just like a slice of life. It, mm-hmm. it basically like um, a mini movie almost. Yeah. Um, so like D- Dev, you know, expresses that that people in from Indian culture don't really celebrate Thanksgiving. So he he he's been going over to his friend Denise, who's one of the characters in mm-hmm. Master of None. You know, her he's been going over to her house for Thanksgiving for years right, since they were right. like. Pre-teens almost, yeah, you know, yeah. so like it's Den- it starts it's, from and they're all okay. Yeah, go yeah and it starts from like, <laughs> you know, the 80s and they're, you know, and it, and it goes through right where they're young. Like, yeah, this pre- is what, this when they're when they're when they're little children. Yeah, they're pretty young. They're like, pretty young when it starts. Yeah, when it starts. And then they go through several different yeah. teenage versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. And then um, and basically the whole episode is really about uh, Denise coming out. Coming at her sexuality, yeah, revealing coming out, coming to, her out to her family about yeah. uh, being a lesbian, right. and um, and it's in it in each episode, it's like a slow reveal, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it deals with uh, her parent, her mom, her mom, her mom, and her grandma's kind of denial of it, and yeah. um, it's just really interesting that it explores uh, uh, themes of you know even. Well, homosexuality in, in, in black, black culture, culture, you know, yeah. it, um, black families, black families. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, this show by this, uh, the, the crazy <laughs> Indian comedy dude from community, you know, uh, like Parks and Rec. I mean, sorry, Parks and Rec. <laughs> I blew that one. Uh, but, no, you know, there's another Indian guy. Could, uh, you know, evolve to such a, yeah. you know, like. And his a beautiful piece of art. Yeah, That's it what it beautiful. really was. It is really And like, beautiful. I don't know, a lot of people have like, you know, their own Thanksgiving traditions, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of weirdos like to listen to Arlo Guthrie's uh, <laughs> Alice's Restaurant on Thanksgiving. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> so, yeah, you never heard about that? No. Anyways, so uh, I'm going to start my own tradition and I want to watch this Thanksgiving episode every Thanksgiving. Oh, that's awesome. As long that's as it cool. lives on Netflix because, yeah. hey, it's like a half hour long or something. And, um, right. Yeah, it's just like Actually, one of those. Yeah, it was one of those things. Like I, um, me and Naomi were watching a, a Master of None together, and then she kind of lost interest in it. So I was just like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and watch mm-hmm. this by myself, you know. And then when I watched that episode, I was like, okay, hold on, we you need to get back. We need to rewatch this, and you need to watch this episode. Yeah. And then and she was blown away as well. She's like, oh my god, that was a, that was a great episode of that was just and a great piece of art. So just that was my favorite thing so of so many great little 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 things in it too. I mean, it's like that he's the main character, but he completely takes a back seat and becomes the supporting character for her story in that her, episode. Her, in that yeah. episode, her that entire story, and I like too that it was it was a family of all women. So you had not only you know her mother and her grandmother, but her mm-hmm. aunt too. That were, yeah, and they were always together mm-hmm, on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So it's also you know you saw it from that perspective too, and I think she, I think the actress who played Denise wrote that episode. 
Really? And she won the Emmy for that episode. Oh, okay. Or well, was, that makes sense. It the Golden Glo- no, I think it was the Emmy. But that for, for writing, she won for that episode. Well, they both did. I think they yeah. both they, they co-wrote it, but she was, you know, obviously a major contributor. But, um, but yeah, that, that episode was fantastic. I mean, it was, just, it was amazing. like amazing. And even just like. And it's like looking back, it's like a simple concept. But oh, yeah. Just like executed so well, though. So well. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And just fun, fun little retro moments of that. Like, you know, like. They're they're they they're smoking pot like in the room like blowing it through a, a cardboard tube with the dryer filter yeah, you know yeah, like, like trying to be all like slick about it and then and then like later on in one of the episodes like when they're already grown up or whatever they they say something about like we used to be so high did you guys know they're like oh of course we knew right, the parents yeah. were like of course we knew you guys were stoned you know and that's what's and so great about like that show is like it, it, a it, lot of people have had that experience these in little their things life as well, that they, you know? they intercede like, and can you know, relate to that yeah just ridiculous little 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 things little like that yeah about teenagers there. growing up you know that they throw that into an episode about thanksgiving you know like this is what teenagers do when they're you know trying to hide stuff from their parents or something yeah you know? little things like that yeah Cool, All right, Demetrius awesome. number one. Well, this is, uh, like I said, I was going through my list of, of uh, different things. Um, so I did movies and music and comics. So this is going to be for podcasts since. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I was, was going to do video games, but I realized I didn't really play that many video games this year. So I can't really judge that. Gotcha. Um, so this is this was one of, not just my, my number one favorite thing um, of the year, but it's just, like I said, I was going through uh, the different uh, parts of pop culture. So for podcast, my favorite podcast of the year was Missing Richard Simmons. Oh, I like that too. This was yeah, this was a really was good great. little limited series. Insane, actually. Yeah, really strange, really I weird. I love true stories and weird stuff. Yeah, so it was a like... true story. So this guy who I guess was attending. So basically, it's about Richard Simmons and about how he was this you know just out there yeah, you celebrity. Know who Richard Simmons is everybody. Right. Come on. Now. Uh, he was, you know, you know how he was, he was out there celebrity who would just accept all these people into his life and was would reach out to people and fans and things like that. And then really just one day decided to give it up. Like just like that, he disappeared and, you know, became a, a recluse. Like went into hiding basically. Yeah, you know, pretty nobody much. Saw him Private life, you know. Canceled all his like classes. That Everything. He, uh, yeah. Apparently he had like fitness classes that he taught every week religiously and then all of a sudden no show nothing, it's over nothing yeah, yeah he would come out Goes of his house world, and, really, and greet much, dude. Yeah. and greet the the tour buses that would come through and stuff and just gave that all up and so this guy who wasn't necessarily his friend but had attended some of his aerobics classes yeah yeah thought there's either something wrong or there's just he just wanted a, the question to why you know the answer to why this yeah, why he decided yeah. you know what what happened because yeah. there was all these theories about him being held against his held will against his by will. the housekeeper right right, and like, right him him transitioning to a woman there was that too there was like him, he let himself go and just started yeah, eating and yeah, like yeah, yeah. so like it, it was and, and it turns out that very it, fascinating. It, pro- it was nothing, and you know he just decided to be private for the rest of it, you know, for now or something. Mm-hmm. So, but still, it was very intriguing, and just you know, it was it was so addicting too. You know, I think it was I think it was like only like nine episodes or something, but each one you were just like glued, you know, you just like hooked, and um, it was just it was really good like storytelling. I thought so. Yeah, it was yeah, very fascinating. It was pretty pretty awesome. So anyway, that was my. Favorite podcast of the year, my number one podcast. It's cool. Um, cool. So I'll do some quick honorable mentions. Yeah, I'll do the rest mentions. of my. Do it, so yeah. for TV. So what was your number one thing then? If you had to rank of your. Of your oh thought. man, see, this is why I did it my way. Okay. Probably Power. Master of None. Okay. Probably All Master, right. Master of None. Enough. Master of None. Um, so my other. So the rest of my top five from TV shows are The Leftovers, Rick and Morty, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and The Good Place. 
for movies, my they were Coco. Coco was my number two. That was tough to put at number two. But uh, The Shape of Water, Logan, and Wonder Woman. For comics, it was Super Sons, Motor Crush, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, and The Mighty Thor. For music, it was Beck's Colors, um, Charlie Bliss's Guppy, uh, St. Vincent's Mass Education, and Earl St. Clair's My Name is Earl. And for podcasts, that was Lore, you must remember this, Black on the Air with Larry Wilmore, and My Dad Wrote a Porno, (laughs) which is a hilarious podcast. Please check it out. It will make you laugh your arse off. Um, So honorable mentions, I had a couple of shows. Um, The old standbys, Game of Thrones. I really enjoyed this past season. It's good. Stranger Things 2. I oh, liked yeah. it. Um, and my probably one of my favorite shows, too, Big Little Lies on HBO. I don't know if you saw that. I never that. saw that. It was great. Totally worth watching. And okay. uh, I think about an eight-episode eight thing, you know, about my length, you know, limited series or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, really, really great. I saw the twist coming, like, one episode before it happened. So, and I was right. But Big Little Lies? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I was like, <laughs> I know what's coming. I know what's happening. But, um it was still uh, enjoyable and great, cool. great ensemble cast in that as well. And um, so I saw, like I said, I saw a lot of movies this year. So my honorable mentions are uh, Stephen King's It. I mean, the new version of It. That was awesome, I thought. Get Out, Shape of Water, Lady Bird, Disaster Artist, I, Tanya, and Wonder Woman. Some of my favorite movies I saw this year for Heck sure. Yeah. Uh, co- comic book Cal Exit. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. I always, I'm, I feel like I'm always um, promoting Black Mask comics here on this podcast, but they're just, I feel like they're just putting out some of the most uh, original, independent stuff out there these days. So Cal Exit basically is the premise is uh, ca- uh, the state of California is basically uh, secedes from the United States because of Donald Trump. So oh, cool! And Donald Trump basically declares war declares war on California in in a sense. Oh, that so, sounds um, awesome. It's not too far-fetched from reality and a pretty awesome little comic. I think they only did one issue, but it's worth finding. Um, classic NES, man. Last year <laughs> last year I had the uh, – or classic SNES. Yeah, last year I had the classic was, NES yeah, yeah. as Cla- one yeah, of my favorite things. Yeah, this year was classic – yeah, SNES. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed the classic SNES thanks to our uh, Nintendo expert on the podcast. Steve Rombie helped me acquire one of those. And, and he uh, helped me acquire one for my brother they for Christmas. Did, uh, they did a little bit better this time around by providing two controllers, I feel like. you know, yeah. and, and they weren't as short as the other ones. But um, yeah. Could have used a little more games for That's two, my for only two players. Th- That's my only thing. Just throwing that out yeah. there. You know? Yeah, especially for two players. There weren't that many for two players. Yeah, they could like... have uh, thrown at least like. I don't know. Oh, 10 more games. 10 on more games or something. Yeah. Come definitely. on. Is that too definitely. much to ask for? But anyways, that's why it's honorable mention. Very cool. Not a top five. And then my other, I didn't have much music this year, man. I don't know. I guess I'm just old and listen to old shit. <laughs> it's all good. But uh, Acid Nightmares, this is a, uh, an LP that I got from uh, my wife. It was my the one thing I wanted for Christmas, and she <laughs> delivered for me. Um, it's uh, from the record label called The Numero Group, and they basically just reissue old Old, uh, obscure, unheard of music, basically. And so this one was, uh, they have this series called the Warfaring Strangers series. And this one was called Acid Nightmares. And it's basically these, um, so uh, music from pre, like kind of pre-heavy metal, pre-stoner rock from the like Hmm. late 60s, early 70s, pre-Sabbath kind of. um, Just basically groups that, you know, the the Altamont had happened, the hippie dream had died. And, you know, this this, like dark psychedelic music that's being produced back back then. Uh, It's a collection of that. Is that kind of like post-Nuggets, would you say? Uh, Yeah, post-Nuggets for sure. All right. 
and um, the the the, pre- the presentation of it is phenomenal, man. It's in this uh, like a gatefold record vinyl that folds out, and the 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 artwork on it is in like black light <laughs> colors, oh. and it's got black velvet on it, and uh, it actually got nominated for a Grammy for like best album presentation nice. or whatever. So nice. like it, it was cool. really hard to find because of that, like mm-hmm. where it got out on it or whatever. So like, it was sold out everywhere in town, and I was like, that's all I want for Christmas. And uh, <laughs> how's that? Now you're number one, man. <laughs> uh, well, it should have been, but um, I don't know. <laughs> All you wanted for Christmas? It didn't make me feel as good as some, oh, okay. some of those other okay. did, I guess. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, it gave me acid nightmares. Um, so anyways, that brings us to our underrated 2017. Yeah, underrated So overlooks. I kind of tried to pair mine up a little bit like you did with your list. You know, like, okay, so my list included um, two movies, two TV shows, and a comic. So I'm going to give two movies, sure. two TV shows, and a comic of underrated uh, in my uh, – and I kind of paired it up with my list. So I'm going to go with my number five. Number five is a net uh, Netflix series that I kind of thought was kind of popular, and I just noticed nobody had it on their best of lists or whatever. And um, it's none other than American Vandal. I don't know if you heard about mm-hmm. it or saw mm-hmm. it. Um, yep, I watched it's it. Basically, so. a parody of like some of the crime shows, kind of a parody of like uh, Making of a Murderer type of thing. Yeah, you know? it's like this. It's this mystery crime show, and the the crime is uh, uh, at this high school somebody. Uh, took a red can of spray paint and spray painted dicks all over the every <laughs> the student the teacher's parking lot and so uh, the 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 show is basically about how uh, the the one guy who was accused of the crime they're they're kind they're kind of you know it's kind of like making a murderer you know they're like yeah. is this guy really guilty we're gonna explore conspiracy theories of you know did he or did he not you know draw the dicks on the car <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the premise is just is like ridiculous I'm giggling about it now but like just the presentation the way they did it they like do it they like do it with full yeah serious you know yeah. so like but it's the definitely humor a satire is definitely, yeah it's of, total of satire you yeah. know of like how, but, to, um, how to how to make a how to find a murderer or whatever uh, American Crime Story yeah it's totally uh, a all those shows all, that. all those shows and it's a satire satire but yeah like you said it's done so well it matches the, the tone and the everything the tone is perfect yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I didn't finish it, but I have watched it. And I I do enjoy it, but I I agree that that was really like over underlooked or overlooked. I guess, I guess yeah. Um, and I was like I was surprised too because I thought that would have been kind of a hit or yeah. I, I don't know who maybe it is I don't know but yeah like I don't said, know, maybe it, was, it is I, didn't see I don't know what the audience either because you know? I remember when it first came out and like I first heard about it I saw, I just saw some blurb somewhere they're like this is this generation's. The millennial generation, this is going to be their breakfast club. You know? well, I, well, I'm like, really? Okay, well, I'm like, I I'm, figured I'm it was more like Heather's. Like, it felt way more like yeah, yeah, know, the for movie sure. Heather's, but I think the breakfast club, I guess. But I don't um, know. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with uh, Netflix, too. And another show that I thought we already talked about, so we didn't need to talk about it that much, but I thought Glow. Glow's yeah. my number five. Okay. I I thought, again, like this, I didn't see this on many lists. Um, talking to people over the course of the year, I would ask them, have you seen this show? And a lot of them would be like, no, or what is that? Like they didn't even know about it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I told a lot of people about this show over the year, you know, over this, over this past year. Mm-hmm. And I was like actually, you know, looking, you know, just kind of doing some research and stuff. I was a little afraid that it wouldn't get a second season because I just didn't hear anything about it. After it came out, like it kind of got like this little bit of a – push when it came out but after that i heard nothing and i'm like wow this is going to be too bad if this is it you know for for this show mm-hmm. um but luckily it is getting a second season but i really thought it was sort of like 
was way more deserving yeah um of all the you know talk how, how and, compelling was and, mark Marin? believe you know yeah, like, like right you <laughs> knew he had that in him too you know i like, mean he, he's acted before but man he was really good in that. yeah for sure <laughs> so yeah that was that was one where i was like kind of scared that i was you know that one actually scared me a little bit that mm. that would be one and done yeah but thankfully not so my number four and underrated is uh, another. It's a comic book. It's kind of pairing up with my comic book for number four. Um, it's a series called. It was a six issue mini series called Black, from Black Mask, and uh, <laughs> the premise is basically, in a world that already hates hates and fears them, what if only black people had superpowers? So uh, I heard about that, it's yeah. pretty. It was just such a, a radical, progressive concept, mm-hmm. and um, you know the, the 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 series starts out basically. There's a a young black teenager in a hoodie that ends up getting gunned down by the police, mm-hmm. and he survives. Yeah, and that's how he finds out he has like these superpowers, and right. then it turns out there's this whole like underground network of uh, you know people trying to keep this this secret a secret, you know, because mm-hmm. in, a, a fear, I mean, it's very much in the vein of get out, you know, and in, in our times where we're living in now, you know, and uh, it's just, <coughs> I definitely recommend checking it out. It's in graphic novel. You can get all six issues in a collected in a, in yeah, a paperback. It's, it's like, worth, like, it's worth peeking. I don't want to ruin any more of the story, but yeah, it's, that's the premise and uh, it's pretty damn good. No, I see what you mean. It's like, yeah, it like get out like how black people. Well, I don't know if this, this you mm-hmm. know, this was yeah, black and people are, are admired but vilified at the same time. Yeah, know? so and, that's, and it's that's like what a, it's looking at. You know, it's like, like fear and jealousy and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's just yeah, it was really interesting themes yeah. and concepts. And the it's cool. It reproduced the each um, the graphic novel has like a reproduction of each the cover of mm-hmm. each each issue. And the ep- issue four had like the most amazing cover. It was like a. It was like a parody of like the Donkey Kong video game, you know? I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the dude, the kid is like in a red hoodie and he's like jumping over it's like a lawyer throwing or it's like a judge throwing like hammers. <laughs> Gavel. G- yeah, gavels at him and then the yeah. next level it's like a, a KKK dude throwing flaming crosses and then at the very top <laughs> instead of Donkey Kong the grill it's Trump. It's Trump, yeah. 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 So it's it like, pretty awesome. That's a great cover, yeah. So I was like that's cover of the year right there mm-hmm. too. So that's actually what caught my eye. I'm like Dude, I got to check this series out. interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's that's definitely what it did too. So yeah, very black eye catching. Black. It's kind of hard to uh find because it's just such a general title when you're searching black, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, Black Mask is the publisher. It's great to check out. Check it out. Yeah. All right. My number four, a lot of mine on this list are ones we've kind of like already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, my number four, I had to put it on there because I just felt like it was so criminally uh, overlooked, is, again, my favorite album of the year, uh, the the, grand, the band Fever High and their, their album FHNY. So I talked about it already. Um, right. But yeah, I just felt like that nobody. I heard nothing about this album, and I thought that was just, you know, it was just negligence, just, mm-hmm. just bad negligence on the pop culture. So, you know, shame on you guys. You know, you should have really gotten behind this, and I thought it was really something kind of cool and special. So, All but anyway, right. hopefully, hopefully they can have enough. Uh, hopefully their, their label, record label, will keep them on and you know support them through and let them do another album. So, we'll see. But anyway, that was my number four. I had to put it on both lists. I couldn't go, I couldn't keep it off since it just fit too perfectly. There you go. <laughs> uh, my number three, uh, Netflix series that dropped near the end of the year. It was only four episodes so far. It's a, 
it's like a documentary series called The Toys That Made Us. It's like a documentary about uh, yeah, basically the toys that I grew up on, me and you grew up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, the first episode is all about Star Wars toys. The second episode is, I believe, well, there was one episode about Barbies, which I didn't. I watched it and it was interesting, but I didn't relate to it as much. But then it was like G.I. <laughs> Joe and Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, it was just a great stroll down memory lane and like remembering all these toys. And it was just fascinating the 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 stories behind like you know. The concepts of everything, yeah. and basically how like it's like Star Wars. Nobody wanted the rights or to even gamble right. on this sci-fi right. movie mm-hmm. that they thought nobody would care about. George and, Lucas like, kept the those yeah, rights. basically yeah. Made, like Kenner was the only only company that like right. was willing to like make these toys. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, basically, you know, it, it made them. You know, mm-hmm. like they they were just a kind of a like nobody. Yeah, and it's just interesting too, like how you know, and so that's why. It was such a huge risk to do this toys for this movie that they didn't know was going to be a hit or not, and that's why they made them really small, I guess, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, at the time, it, the standard was, like, the large the G.I. Joe's, Joe's or something, yeah. like yeah. a doll-sized toy, and they're like, well, let's just make these small little plastic. Save some money. Sa- yeah, and uh, so it's a fascinating little series. It's definitely worth checking out. So. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of, like, a really good podcast, like, just, yeah, just exactly. done as a TV show. Visual podcast. Yeah. History of. Like, yeah. History and the little recreations they use actors yeah, to, and like, kind of so recreate funny. Yeah, the yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah, and, like, these nerds, like, <laughs> these nerd creators of these toys, like, arguing over <laughs> who came up with what and everything. Yeah. Like, the He-Man one in particular. Was, yeah, the whole history of that's pretty fascinating but funny (laughs) so yeah yeah, toys that made controversy is is my number three awesome uh my number three is not gonna sound like one that was sort of like overlooked um or anything but or underrated but i felt like it kind of was it just maybe just to me it was but it was the punisher on netflix i felt like this i felt like this came exactly this came out to like almost little I don't want to say little to no fanfare, but it felt that way when it came out. Like, it wasn't a part of the whole, um, I felt like the, the main core of Netflix Marvel yeah, series. The You're, Defenders. The Defenders characters, characters. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a side. Yeah, it was a side thing. But I felt like because the Punisher is such is such a much bigger character than all four of those Defenders characters, yeah. I, I feel. And I don't know. Like, I think the series just came out and was sort of forgotten. Yeah. And it turned out to be very good. I mean, it wasn't the best show, but I think it was just, it was really good. I enjoyed it. I kind of feel like they've been putting them out so fast too. You Punisher's know? been re- been redone, yeah. And yeah. But, I mean, just the Netflix Marvel oh, series that too. too you but know? that like, too. I'm still watching Luke Cage, dude. That's right. like three shows ago, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. The Defenders and Iron Fist. Yeah. But, you know, I think it, I think it was a show that was much better than both Defenders and Iron Fist. Yeah, that's what I've heard. It's really good. Um, but I don't know if it's. Just, I heard it's kind of a different take on Punisher. It is too. because like, I think it's it's because the it's Punisher, a more complex. Yeah, because you know? it's the Punisher. It still is the same character. Your your antihero who's you know judge, jury, and executioner. Or uh, whatever, and you know, kills bad guys with no, you know, no qualms about it. And to do that in you know this day and age, is 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 the take on it. You know, it's like we're putting the Punisher into the 21st century, and what does that mean? You know, and mm-hmm. who is he? And yeah, let's let's go into his like what compels someone to do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So no, and it's 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 really I thought it was done really well. But they have, you know, they have rebooted the Punisher many times, and I feel like that too is also maybe the problem because it's like, well, there was this one yeah. movie, and then another movie came out a few yeah. years after that, and, and well, it's um, like the comic they've rebooted that a billion times too. So that's hey, true. What, everything's that's a true. reboot, but yeah, I, I definitely want to watch it. I'm not against it at all. I heard it's good, and I'm, yeah. I will, I will get around to it. It will not be one of those on my Netflix I'll never watch list. <laughs> um, uh, cool. That brings brings us to my number two, uh, underrated or overlooked, uh, a little movie starring Mark Hamill. 
and Kyle <laughs> Mooney, and it's called None Other Than Brigsby Bear. Um, this was a mentions. crazy movie that just mm-hmm. kind of came out of nowhere, and um, I remember we had it at the Alamo Draft House for a week, and that was it, and then it was gone, yeah. and uh, nobody came to see this movie. And I just it, the, the concept was pretty interesting. It's um, so it was produced by like the company uh, Andy Sandberg's company that you know they do they made like that pop star movie and mm-hmm. uh, the whatever Lonely Island Lonely productions Island or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So like, um, but it stars Kyle Mooney from SNL, dude. I freaking think he's hilarious. Anyways, so premise is basically he's he was kidnapped as a, as a, as a young boy, a baby really. And raised by Mark Hamill and uh, yeah. his wife, Mark Hamill's the dad, uh, and they raise him in this like bunker, <laughs> underground bunker, kind of, uh, kind of clover, clover, uh, ten Cloverfield Lane, like you know. Mm-hmm. And they basically tell him like the outside world, you know, you can't go out there; it's dangerous. There's like poisonous gas. Yeah, it's post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic. Yeah, you know, so like they never let him. He never leaves basically. And when right. every day when Mark Hamill leaves the house, he puts on a gas mask and everything. So. <laughs> This kid grows up like in this bunker, not knowing the outside world mm-hmm. at all. And Mark Hamill's character produced these. Uh, he would like go make these like TV shows called of this character called Brigsby Bear. So like right. everything Kyle Mooney's character knew was this Brigsby Bear character. So like, right. but he didn't he just make the shows just yeah for he the kid? he made it just for just his for, the kid, for his yeah. uh, adopted son or his yeah. <laughs> you know kidnapped adopted son or yeah. whatever you know yeah. So, and it was, like, kind of like a learning show. Like, it was kind of like a combination of, like, some type of a PBS thing meets uh, some type of wizard stuff. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it was like just, Mr. Wizard meets Yeah, it was just, Barney. it was pretty, you know, interesting. It's like, um, but uh, so, like, you know, eventually he uh, is discovered, you know, it, He's released to the world and, and told that, hey, you were kidnapped. You have this whole other family and everything. So the movie's basically about him trying to adapt to, like, the world we live in today when he lived in this underground bunker and all he knew was this Brigsby Bear character, you know. And, like, so, like, first thing, he's just like, I just want the new episode of Brigsby Bear. And everyone's like, well, what the hell is that, you know, <laughs> like on VHS, you know. Yeah. And so, like, anyway, so the premise is he's just, uh, he's just trying to adapt to this outside world and he ends up making some friends and then – his whole like he he need his his like life goal is to finish the Brigsby Bear story really so he like kind of collaborates with friends kind of like on the level of like be kind rewind you know they like kind of finish this Brigsby Bear story oh. so I mean I mean it's it was it was a it was an interesting quirky feel good movie it wasn't great but it was definitely worth checking out I feel like you know. And I feel like it definitely got overlooked. You know, it was like it was a good enough movie to get a mention here. So I feel like checking it out. And like uh, we're, I kind of, you know, we're kind of um, told to figure out like a little like a one line pitch to describe movies sometimes. So like I for people that come in and be like, yeah, What's, yeah, I, mean, I want to see a movie. So my Brigsby Bear was like it's Ten Cloverfield Lane meets Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Do a lot of people do that? Uh, yeah. What's that about? Yeah, yeah, totally. That's so, weird. Yeah. I feel like in this day and age, it's like if you don't know what movie you're going to go see beforehand, like who walks into a movie theater and be like, hmm, what that's should I see? When something sold out. What's, like, what's Thor uh, about? What's next? Yeah. 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 I don't know. Interesting. Uh, crazy. People are weird. Um, yeah, I, I definitely heard, heard some, heard some good things about that movie and like heard it was like really like, you know, real indie, um, different. It's just interesting. Mark Hamill too. His character, you know, I mean, yeah. 
maybe a little more compelling than The Last Jedi. Just huh. throwing that out well, there. You know? yeah. It's not too surprising. But anyway, uh, all right, cool. Yeah, I definitely, I still need to check that out also. Uh, so my number two, we also talked about, and in and again, in my opinion, I felt it was way overlooked and maybe even a little underrated by some people, uh, but Baby Driver. Okay. I yeah. felt like it was kind of, it, it was an extremely good movie that no one saw or that not enough people saw. Not enough people. For real. Um, I, I feel like it didn't get... I thought I'd see it on more lists here yeah. at the end of the year. You didn't know? get the attention it deserved. It didn't get the box office it deserved. Um, just like all these things, and it just it's it's kind of it was a bittersweet ending to like you know this seeing this fan, the whole story of it. You know, seeing this fantastic movie. You know, being excited about it coming out. Oh, Edgar Wright's doing this this movie he's always wanted to do. Finally comes out and it's great. And then it you know it just does okay at the box office or whatever. And yeah. it's not on any lists, and no one went to go see it. And and it's just like, damn, like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Like, you, you finally, we finally get like a good original movie, you know, no, no sequel tie-in, no comic book tie-in, no nothing. Yeah, that was no the, remake, no that reboot. That was the cool thing about it too, a, a, an enjoyable Holy, action. Ho- yeah, it's about it's summer about, movie that was totally original. wasn't based on like it was based on an original screenplay, yeah. not adapted from a comic, not nope. a sequel, not nope. a prequel, not, not a reboot. A, yeah. Reboot, yeah. Um, Holy original. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's about it's about you know cops and well not cops and robbers but robbers but still it's you know still done yeah. very well. And, and that was another one. There's lots of people I've talked to this year too that like I feel would love that movie. I'm like, you seen Baby Driver yet? And they're like, no, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. Like that like traditional mainstream Hollywood movies. And I'm like, if you like that, watch this and it'll blow your mind. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, feel I like, agree. You know? And like. And uh, I maybe to maybe it, it didn't have the star power. I mean, I know uh, Jamie Foxx was in it, and like you said, Kevin Spacey was in it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't enough to like draw people in. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows why? But um, yeah, I just thought that that was criminally overlooked. I mean, um, Ansel, the main character, the actor Ansel, I forget his last name. I don't know. Uh, Ford or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was great in it, you know? I yeah. Mean, like, and I was <laughs> watching that the like third time. I'm like, man, they should have got him to play young Han Solo, dude. He totally <laughs> he looks, looks like, like Han him. Solo in well, that he, movie. Well, he, he also he's like, dresses wear, him. Yeah, exactly. He's got, he's the, like, black he's got the black vest. And I was like, yeah. man, they should have got him to play Solo <laughs> in that movie. Uh, that brings me to my number one. Uh, so a lot of times, I've, a couple times I've noticed we've kind of predicted the future on this podcast. Oh, I don't really? know. Like a few, I, uh, it was like a few months before the Broncos won the Super Bowl a few years ago. We were talking about how awesome it would be if they won the Super Bowl <laughs> again. And guess what? They did. And <laughs> we did an episode. We did an episode once where we were talking about our low five was like uh, comic books we'd like to see adapted into a movie. Mm-hmm. And one of those on my list actually happened this year, and that would be my friend Dahmer. Oh yeah. And uh, this was a uh, a great graphic novel by this dude that uh, went to high school with the Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> and was, I guess, a friend, more of an acquaintance, but a friend, as 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 good a friend as Dahmer ever had, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the the graphic novel was just amazing and compelling, and I, I I thought it would make a great adaptation, but at the same time, I'm like, how are they get? How would they really do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And they pull it off, man. This is a good. Nice. Uh, it's a good underrated movie too. It was. Um, we did a series at Alamo where uh, we played shows that showed at the Fantastic Fest, the film festival they do in Austin. A week later, we showed uh, several of the films that, that had debuted in screen there. And so we got my friend Dahmer for like a one night only screening. I went to that. It was amazing. It was a packed house and everyone really enjoyed it. It was great. 
Um, and then we did have it for a limited release back in November for a few weeks, and it did really well too. You know, it was like, uh, uh, but I mean, we had it in one of the small theaters, so it yeah. did every, it did well every night. But still, that's only like 50 people seeing that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but it was uh, it was underrated, man. I think mm-hmm. it, it. I was I was expecting that to pop up on at least some lists, and I didn't see it on anything. Yeah, so. I didn't see it on anything either. So yeah, and it was one of those things too. Every time somebody went and saw that too, they were like. They'd come out. They're like, "Wow, that was really good. I didn't expect that." You know, type right. of thing. So, right. I mean, I feel like if if someone is infamous in pop culture as a pretty inf- pretty interesting year of like, you know, Dahmer and fucking Tanya Harding get like <laughs> get these award winning movies, movies, movies made yeah. after critically acclaimed movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, strange times we live in. They but, come uh, back. Yeah. But uh, one one was a little bit more star driven and had a little bit more push. Yeah. By the studio. I mean, the guy that played Dahmer apparently was like a Disney kid or something. So really. This is like a. Uh, he was like grew, he was like on one of those Disney Channel shows. So this was like his really strange, oh, like his like his, edgy departure type right, of thing. You know, right, but right. Um, he's coming out like I'm yeah, a serious I mean, actor it was, now. It was so good, you know. I mean, yeah. it, and it, I mean, it basically leads up to his first murder, right, you know, basically. Right. And uh, yeah, but it's just interesting character on, study. The, for the sure. comic was on, yeah, like you said, the comic was on one of your lists mm-hmm. of yeah, that was, but it wasn't on another list too of like best comics or something. Like not only like comics you want to see made adapted into a movie, but something know. else. It could have been. Probably. I thought it. I thought because you, you, you talked about it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and like I didn't get to see it because I mean it was you know like you said it yeah. was like it was here. It and may gone. be available on. So I think it's probably it might on be DVD out on or video by Amazon now or, or something, or digital or whatever yeah. you. Somewhere yeah. uh, already. And it's I, definitely worth tracking down. Yeah. And checking out. It's, definitely. It's good. Cool. So that's my number one underrated yeah, or overlooked. My friend, Dom. Um, I got another one. I got my, for my number one, it's um, something that's that's actually mainstream, but I think it's definitely underrated at the time, at the moment. And that is Tom King's uh, current, he's currently writing for Batman, the, the main the main comic for DC, the, the Batman flagship title. Um, and I think that the reason that this is sort of underrated is because it is the flagship title. Um, and I well, think people and it's following such a historic run of right. Scott, Scott Snyder and uh, Greg Capullo. Yeah, yeah, which I feel like their their stuff is. Eh, I have my disagreements with that being you know historic or good. Sometimes um, I think Tom King is a much better writer than uh, Scott Snyder, and. Um, and I think his his run. I haven't I haven't read Batman in I don't know how many years. And I I kind of would look at what Scott Snyder was doing, and you know, and I love the art of Greg Capullo, but you know, like I don't I can't really follow these stories. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Tom King took over I think this year or late last year, um, and I think to twenty late twenty sixteen maybe. Okay. Uh, but like this part of the rebirth. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And so what he's done is, you know, he's. Like and he's also like we were talked about earlier the vision and um, uh, Miracle Man or sorry <laughs> Mister Miracle, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah no his 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 run on Batman so far has been so good um, he's sort of like defined these um, ongoing iterations of what Batman's like vulnerability is and these kinds of things um, and he's also done these really good like sort of like you know um, taking like a historic look at what it means to be Batman or you know sort of like worked with the uh, like with like his canon a little bit his early like you know early Batman stories there was a good one called the War of uh, Jokes and Riddles that he did um, and also sort of the intimate side of Batman he's he's also changed some things that have done that he's done really well and I just I've gone back and reread this his stuff from this year. And it's just excellent. It's really, really good stuff. It's one of the best comic books I've read. I've read in years, not just this past year, but in like you know, a few years, like I would say. 
So um, yeah, it's it's stunningly like tragic, and it just manages to, you know, take you on this emotional experience. You know, and it's refreshing. It's really good. It's a really good comic, and just a really good read. So that's what I would recommend. And he's still going. It's still going. So uh, you can still catch on. He, and what he, I think he, what he does too is really good. Is that when he finishes an arc, he sort of like does like a few sort of um, jump on stories. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have to follow what's going on. And he'll do that for a few issues, and then he'll start another arc. So you can just kind of jump in whenever. I love that. And yeah. it's great. And the little issues are fantastic. He did one a couple months ago where it's just, in his run, Batman and Catwoman have, have gotten engaged. Mm. Just kind of a weird little thing if you think about it, but he, he makes it work. And so Batman and Catwoman reluctantly go on a double date with Superman and Lois Lane. And the whole issue is just well, there's actually two issues, but yeah, it's just about them like coming together and their disagreements, and you know, dissecting like why are they even friends or does you know how does this even work? And it sounds ridiculous, but it's, it's done really, really well. So, check it out. That's awesome. That sounds good. I love to yeah, I love just jump on points. I hate it when a, a series is so convoluted. That and that's what I had a problem uh, with with Scott you know, Snyder's yeah. run. So, I mean, that's the whole problem with the X Men <laughs> yeah. in general. You yeah. know, that's a. Uh, that's kind of what so I thought convoluted. was so brilliant about the grand design. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, once again, write us a review on iTunes. Check us out at Stitcher, SoundCloud. Send us an email. Get uh, at us on Twitter, Facebook, all the social media. Um, until next time, guys, thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.